My guest today is Simon T. Bailey. Simon and I met while he was giving a keynote address at a conference that I was attending in Colorado. Simon is a breakthrough strategist who goes beyond feel-good content and provides real-life deliverables that impact lives. He has worked with 1,800 organizations in 49 countries. A few of his clients include Google, Microsoft, and MasterCard. Simon has more than 30 years experience in the hospitality industry, including serving as sales director for Disney Institute based in Walt Disney World. He has authored 10 books, including the HarperCollins published book, Release Your Brilliance, Releasing Leadership Brilliance, published by Corwin Press, and Shift Your Brilliance, published by Sound Wisdom. He has three online courses on LinkedIn learning that have been viewed by people in 100 countries. In this conversation, we talk about his book, Shift Your Brilliance, originally published, I believe, in 2008, and then republished in 2014 with some new edits and content. But in the times that we're living in right now with COVID-19 and so many people that have been laid off, furloughed, their businesses have been shut down, this book has a really special meaning at this moment in 2020, where we really do need to look inside ourselves and figure out how we can pivot our career and our passion and our goals towards something new and exciting. This was an honor for me to interview Simon. There are a lot of things in this interview that I did not know about him. I was thrilled to be able to do this interview. I believe you're going to really enjoy what Simon has to offer in this interview. Thank you once again for listening. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited today to have Simon T. Bailey on the show. Simon and I met in March of this past year, but it was very briefly. He was passing in the hallway at a conference out in Colorado. I shook his hand, told him how I loved the talk that he had just given the group. And then I was lucky enough to get him to say yes to come on to my podcast. So Simon, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, Joe, good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I have one question before we even start. Sure. Why Simon T. Bailey? Because the T is for terrific. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into I it. I right there. Damn, I should have <laughs> guessed. I should have guessed. No, the T is a, is a family name that my father gave to me. It stands for Theophilus, uh, which is Greek. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering. And it's, also, it's a branding thing as well. So we are definitely going to talk today um, about your very timely book, which was published in 2014, called Shift Your Brilliance, Harness the Power of You, Inc. Super interesting. I'm an audiobook guy, so I listen to the audiobook part, which for me is even better because I love your voice. Your laugh is probably the most infectious laugh that I've heard in such a long time. So... That was great for me. But before we get into it, I just kind of want to lay a little groundwork about who Simon T. Bailey is. I know that from the book and from your talk that you gave out in Colorado, and I know you speak all over the world, that you came from the corporate environment. So you can start as far back as you want. I know the book covers some of your childhood. So it's completely up to you how far back you want to go. But I want to just lay a little groundwork so they know who you are, and then we can get into all the other stuff. All right, so I'll give this to you in, in, in a minute and a half or less because it's important to what I'll share today. 14 years of age, 
Uh, mom and dad took me to uh, Bennett High School or McKinley High School in Buffalo, New York, where I grew up. Went out for football, basketball, uh, got cut, went out for track and field. They said, you're too slow. Uh, that summer attempted to commit suicide, uh, didn't go through with it. Uh, sophomore year, brand new high school. Teacher says to me, write a speech, give it for the entire school. Absolutely changed my life. Uh, ended up being class president. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Dropped out of college after my first year. Went back to college. Took me 10 years to finish my undergrad degree. Uh, started at a Days Inn Hotel, making $5.10 an hour as a front desk clerk. Uh, it was about 30 years ago. Fast forwarding. Uh, got hired at Disney after uh, 10 interviews over a 10-year period. Uh, stayed at Disney for seven years. Left Disney after turning down four jobs saying, uh, and a job saying that I wanted to be, or I, I did an interview saying I wanted to become the number one guy at Disney. Uh, that was put in print. That didn't quite work out. So I thought it would probably be best for me to find my happiness elsewhere. Uh, after being married for 25 years, went through a divorce. Uh, and uh, a video was posted to Facebook about me telling that story. That video has over 90 million views to date. Uh, and then from there went through about with cancer. I am a cancer survivor, thank goodness. Uh, I have two amazing children, 21-year-old son, 18-year-old uh, daughter. And today I've worked with almost 1,800 organizations in 49 countries, uh, just teaching a very simple concept that you have to shift your brilliance in the midst of uncertainty. I've written 10 books, um, I've worked in 49 countries, and uh, three of my courses uh, are on LinkedIn Learning. So that's just it in a nutshell. Man, oh man, I'm tired just hearing it. <laughs> that's amazing. That's truly amazing. And I, there's some of those things, obviously, I didn't even know. Um, so, and, and what I love about you, besides the talk that you gave and how infectious you are, and and um, is, and I even said it the other night, we, we were having a conversation and how I was having you on as a guest, is that you're you're so positive and it's, it's, and you, you smile all the time, like every Instagram post, everything. It's just, it's part of who you've become. And I think when I, when I listened to the audiobook and I heard you talk, I feel like you were the person at Disney that you've, you're now trying to get at least the business people, not just, like there's regular people that I know that this book and what you talk about attracts, but you were that person at Disney where it was just heads down working. And you, and I think you even talked about a spot where you didn't even know the people that were part of your team or you didn't like, you talked about getting reviews or something to that, where they just said, if you actually knew the people you were working with and they knew you as a person, it would change, it would shift things for you. Totally. Totally. I was so busy trying to climb the ladder of perceived success in the words of Dr. Stephen Covey, I only discovered my ladder was against the wrong wall. Uh, so I was a boss with an agenda instead of a leader with a vision. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Well, I, I appreciate you giving us the background. I think now the, the people that are listening to this, they're in for a real treat. So I can let you just take take it from here. And then I'm going to try to sneak in some of these things that I want to sneak in. But I I really want you to get into the fact that you wrote this book in 2014 and it literally it's almost as if you you could have written it in the beginning of March knowing that COVID-19 was coming because 
when I listen to it, it's, it's literally that, that what everyone needs to be poked and say, this is the time to do this. This is the time to shift your brilliance and figure out what it is. I keep preaching. No one's coming to rescue us. We got to do this on our own. That's it. Totally. Yeah. So when I, when I wrote the book and it's so appropriate for now, I was holding on to the way things had always been going for me as my business. When I left Disney, I started speaking, writing, training, consulting, and I was thinking that's the way it was always going to be. And as you can imagine, my, my entire world has been disrupted as, as everyone else. And what I recognize is sometimes we have to let go of what is comfortable and convenient in order to embrace what wants to emerge. So everyone right now is experiencing what many will call VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. So you have 40 million people that have been laid off. You have millions who have been furloughed. You have companies that have gone under, but also in the midst of that, there are some companies that have totally shifted what they have been doing and moving in a whole nother direction. I was interviewing a company out of Baltimore and they are a whiskey company, but guess what business they are in now? Hand sanitizer, because they understand there's an opportunity to shift. So everyone's listening to us has to begin to say, what about my career or my business? I've been doing this now for 18, almost 18 years since I left Disney. And I have to tell you, Joe, I have reinvented. I'm on my fifth reinvention in 18 years because I have to shift. So I wrote that book from a deep place with this, this one concept, and that is we have to implement Vuja Day. If deja vu has been there, done that, that's pre-COVID. Vuja Day is going there, doing that. It's seeing the old and the new and the new and the old. Yeah, it's just really incredible. It's literally like the book was, I don't know how it did when it came out in 2014. I'm sure it did great because I was just so captured at listening to the stories that you told in it. But man, it's just like it was written for now. It, it's just unbelievable. Is it okay if I ask a couple questions about it? Please, please, okay. absolutely. So there's a line in there that you talk about where you say we are spirit beings having a human experience. And I heard that and I was like, wow. So could you elaborate more on that? Yeah. So when I first started out years ago, I was invited to an event where Dr. Stephen Covey, the late great Dr. Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People, was the opening speaker uh, Libby Sartain, who at that time was the chief people officer for Yahoo, and I was the closing speaker. And I just wanted to sit in and hear Dr. Covey because I was so fascinated. And he made this statement, which was originally, I think, quoted by Rain, Wayne Dyer. And he says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spirit beings having a human experience. And when I heard it, Joe, it was like a joy bomb, like, boom. I was like, what's that? And what I begin to recognize is all of us, we have a spirit, but how we show up into an environment, we either are hugging people with our words or we're tearing people down with our words. And, and, and words impact our spirit because words carry energy. And so we're spirit beings having a human experience. I believe what we're going through right now is everybody is being spiritually reset 
whatever spirituality means to everyone, they are thinking about meaning, not just money. Yes, money is important, but they're thinking about, is my life really meaningful? They're thinking about power, not just, uh, or, or they're thinking about purpose, not just power. But then I think the other part of the spiritual reset that's happened is that people are also thinking about moving from success to significance. And that's so important when you're on this spiritual journey. And then there was another line in there. And, and again, I, I remember now that you brought it to my attention that, that Stephen Covey had said that and you'd heard it in that, that event. But f- hearing it from you gave it a different meaning when I listened to the audiobook. So I, I had to bring it up because it was just like, man, I got to remember that and just keep that in the forefront of my mind. But then there was another one, which was live from the inside out. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. When you live from the inside out, you break the cycle of fear and worry. Uh, Because see, what happens is right now, uncertainty and worry has driven up stress and anxiety. And when a person is stressed out and they are living in fear and worry, it actually slows down the human operating system. So when you live from the inside out, what you're saying is I'm not going to allow the outside circumstances to dictate how I, what I produce, how I show up, how I thrive or survive. I'm going to take control of the steering wheel of my life and drive into the future and not be driven by all the news around me. That's living from the inside out. Now, yes, we need to be informed. Yes, we need to be well-read. Yes, we need to you know, pay attention to significant notifications that hit our phones. But when you live from the inside out, what you realize is life is not a remote control. You can change the channel on your tell-a-vision. So when I live from the inside out, I am literally uh, forecasting my future instead of living in the predictions of the day. When we talk about the book, what's the audience that really needs something like this? Yeah, so the book is, is written to that person who's, say, 25 to 55, and they have either been furloughed or they're back at work. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop because now there's massive pressure to do uh, to do more with less. And working now might be working remote. So they're having to deal with a new world. But it's also written to that entrepreneur who says, I've done X. Now I need to do Y and Z. How do I begin to harness the power of what we've done to be relevant for where things are going. Uh, It might be that solopreneur or that person who said, you know what, I'm thinking about this is the time to go for it. And literally I give you the tips, tools and techniques on how to shift your brilliance because it's my exact story. When I left Disney, I cashed in my entire 401k with significant Disney stock, took out a line of credit on the house. So when I wrote Shift Your Brilliance, I was probably already 10 years into my business, but I was thinking what had made me successful 10 years in 10 years would make me successful in another 10 years. And I was wrong. Again, I keep thinking that people just think the Calvary's coming, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, every industry 
that literally can be turned upside down is being turned upside down. When you hear about retail like Brooks Brothers, Neiman Marcus, filing for bankruptcy, JCPenney, these are, these are brands that you thought would be around forever. And they are, they're just going to look different, yeah. right? Yep. And uh, by the way, you would know Neiman Marcus because I've seen you dress. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, they love they love seeing you walk in the door because I've seen <laughs> sharp, man, really sharp. It's funny because I met you there because I own a management booking agency here in Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. And then we expanded into Colorado last summer. I spent six weeks there developing all these relationships to take what I've done here with success and move it out there. So I'm in the same boat as you. There was nothing going on. I'm just starting to put some entertainment back in the resorts. But when I work with these destination management companies who you know well through the corporate world who books entertainment to the level of someone like you, they're starting to come to me going, okay, what are the virtual options? And so have you been doing some virtual speaking? I've done about 25 virtual events in the last 100 days. Wow, that's amazing. uh, it has been just a rewarding experience. And now I've told the team, hey, let's get it down where I can do two to three a day. You know, yeah. let's go. Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> and, and where are you doing them from? Are you doing right where you are now or? Literally right where I'm at right now. Sometimes, and, and every now and then I will put up, um, depending on the setting, I will, uh, you know, just, you know, change uh, my screen there. And yeah. then, you know, <laughs> there you go, right? Exactly. <laughs> You know, this, this is the world we live in. And uh, yeah, and it, it's been a great experience. Uh, I really love this virtual setting. And, and I can't wait for live to come back, but I'm totally fine with doing the hybrid. Yeah, I was just wondering, because I know this that's how we met. So it, I was wondering how you're faring through all of this and and how many times you've done the whole virtual, uh, the virtual experience. So um, and, and while we're talking about live, when you did give that talk, I noticed that you very rarely stood on the stage and I don't know how, do you know the number of people that were there were like 15 or 18 or 2,500? They were expecting, uh, I think it was about 1,200. 1,200. Okay. So for me, and someday I aspire to maybe public speak. So we'll see if that happens, but that's why for me, it was so interesting to watch you and you were on the floor most of the time. And so why do you, when do you choose to do something like that? So, so many times everybody is looking at the stage, the stage on stage. And what I really believe people really want is a connection. And can you imagine that was probably the last uh, presentation Mm -hmm. that I've given with that amount of people uh, where there was no physical distancing yet. We hadn't even heard of social distancing, right? So what I like to do is I like to have a conversation with people. So me coming off stage allows me to be almost like a jazz artist in the moment. I can rift. I know where we need to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on time. But I also get to do things on the fly in the moment. Uh, and, and it can only happen if I'm looking face-to-face with the human being. Yeah, I thought it was really uh, different because there were so many people there and I was close enough to the front 
and towards an aisle. So I was happy, but I was like, some of those people in the back might be like, I, I can't really tell what he's doing or where he is. But... Which is why they've got the IMAX. So I yeah. knew they had IMAX and they had the cameras and they yeah. would project me up on the screen. Yep. And it looks good on the video as well, because on a video, if I'm only on stage, you don't see the audience. Right. So for video purposes to come off the stage, you see the audience and it's spontaneous and it's in the moment. Yeah, it was great. I was captivated the entire time. I, lo I love listening to you talk. Conscious mind versus unconscious mind. That also hit me when I was listening to the audiobook, And I understand it because I work on at least my own. I try to do meditation when I can remember to, it's, it's tough. I was in a really good routine at one point and you know, I've slipped a little bit, at least I'm doing yoga almost three times a week. So it's, it's at least a little bit of a balance, but can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. So one of the things I really believe is, as you know, in the unconscious mind, we just do things automatically. Like if you get and you drive in your car, you're, you're going to go the way you always go. It's just unconscious. But when you become conscious, you're paying attention to what am I thinking thoughts? What am I saying words? And then what is the habit or behavior that I'm doing? And then what is that slight adjustment that I need to course correct in order to get better? So I'll give you a prime example. I've been working on losing weight and this has just been an ongoing battle for a good 20 years. So I decided during this COVID-19 time that uh, my health coach, you know, sent me a Fitbit. So I got the Fitbit and it's monitoring my walk. So I go on a walk every morning. Uh, I get in at least seven to 8,000 steps uh, within 45 minutes. But then I come, I came back home and I started doing push-ups, just 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups. Well, now I'm up to 40. Now, I don't say that to be braggadocious or anything, but here's the deal. When I became conscious that I really want to lose weight, I start. I stopped focusing on losing the weight and focused on a healthy lifestyle. So I'm conscious of, did I work out? Did I sleep? Did I drink my water? I got my water here. Did I actually take my vitamins? Um, how am I eating better? So it's becoming so conscious to say, there's something I have to do every single day to move towards where I'm going. And I'm happy to say that I've lost 10 pounds over the last six weeks, but I have a good 10 to 15 to go. And I'm excited about it because it's a conscious, healthy lifestyle instead of I have to lose weight because now the emphasis is on losing instead of maintaining and being healthy. Yeah. Well, that's great. Congratulations. And see, and that's what I like about your post and when I watch your videos and is that you take things that so many of these people have been hearing for years and years, but there's a way that you word things and you shift things in your speech or you, you change the way someone thinks about something. And it's sometimes just that shift alone helps people to then understand it better and say, ah, I can do that. And it's, it, it, it was, it's literally doing the same thing as was mentioned 500 other times, but it's the way it was said or the way it was presented. And that's what's cool about you. Just, Thank you. Sir. Yeah. Another thing that popped out and stop me at any time where you want to dig in deeper to anything in the book. These are all the things that just jumped out at me. So information to revelation. That's a strong phrase. 
Yeah. So what I've discovered over many decades of studying, researching, and really being mentored by very, very wise men and women is that um, information is knowledge. Okay. But then the next level below information is understanding, which is comprehension. So for example, when I go to get my driver's license, I've read the, you know, everything that I need to know to get the license. That's information, that's knowledge. But it's the understanding that if I don't stop at the stop sign and a cop sees me, I'm gonna be pulled over and given a ticket because I ran through a stop sign. So now I have understanding to stop at the stop sign, to stop at the red light. It's not just information. But then the next level down is revelation. And revelation is application. So car example, if I'm in my car driving, as my dad used to tell me, you have to drive for the car in front of you and the car behind you. Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so dealing with snow all the time, you know if you're driving, you don't wanna pay attention to the snow bank because somehow the car is gonna veer over. So you have a revelation that I want to look straight ahead. I don't want to end up over there. But it's insight that causes you to drive straight ahead and avoid an accident. So when I talk about moving through information revelation, it's really understanding uh, that sometimes we can have information that is a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And when I move to Revelation, I have the ability to go three to four levels down in, in whatever I'm working on. So when we look through this COVID-19 time, all right, let's just look at it from a, a Revelation insight standpoint. So the first one is PTSD is going to be at an all-time high because there's fear, stress, and worry on the planet, right? We also understand that, that the magnetic fields, climate change, everything is just being turned upside down. We also then recognize that industries are collapsing and being reinvented. The fourth level is we also realize that during this time that corporations see this as an opportunity to furlough and to lay people off and never bring them back because we are in a world of automation, algorithms, artificial intelligence like never before. But then the fifth level, which is so, I think, even more powerful, we also see the companies that have cash who have been sitting on the sidelines waiting, they're gonna poach and buy up companies. So if you remember just a few years ago, Apple had over $170 billion in an offshore account. And due to the Repatriate um, uh, uh, Act, they could bring it back and not have to pay as much. But when you have that much cash, you can go and buy companies. Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, they have over $100 billion of cash sitting and waiting. So when everyone is running scared and worried, as, as a good friend of mine, a hedge fund investor told me, he said, Simon, the money is made in the dip. You don't make the money at the top of the mountain. You make it when everybody is running scared. So when you think about Revelation is going five levels deep saying, what do you see? that others don't see. 
what, what are you noticing? What's the bourgeois day? Because we will hear of companies that will literally come through this COVID time and we're like, where did they come from? All because they decided to play another game. They shifted their brilliance and went the opposite direction. So when everyone was zigging, they were zagging. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you wrote this in 2014, what sparked it? Like, I can see you writing it now. Like, I can see you writing it on March 15th going, whoa, I need to write this because we're in some deep stuff right now. So if I really put my head down and I can get this done in 30 days, and, I, and that's another thing I'd love to do someday is write a book. But if you put your head down, you could have maybe finished it by April 15th and now it would be out, but it makes total sense now. And that's why when I listened to it, I was like, gosh, this is like, he, he knew it was coming. (laughs) (laughs) But what made you write it in 2014? My business had dried up. I was holding on by a thread. And what was Uh, that? Was that speaking and coaching? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't getting the bookings at the fee that I needed because when I quit my job, uh, my wife, my then wife didn't work outside the home. So everything was on me and we had young kids, mortgage, um, private school, the whole nine yards. So the business wasn't coming in and, and the book sales weren't moving. We had a consultant project that had come to an end that had kind of given me a buffer. And, and so literally it was dry as toast business-wise. And I said, you know what? I, I got to shift what I'm doing. I've got to think differently. And that's when I began to realize I'm not in the speaking business. I'm in the content media distribution business. And the money is in content. That's what I remember at Disney. So I recognized if I didn't shift my, my brilliance and reinvent and let go of what had been working, Um, and move into another direction, I probably wouldn't be here today talking to you. So what I realized is I could always do the speaking, but then I started adding coaching. I started adding training. I started doing online learning. And that's when I got connected with the folks over at, um, then it was lynda.com, it's called LinkedIn Learning Now. And they said, you need to put your course into micro content. I was like, what's micro content? And there were like three to five minutes of, of, of a snippet where you don't give it all away, but you chunk it down and people can access it 24 365. Joe, I had never heard of it. I was like, what? No, I've always delivered on stage. But now all of a sudden, a new opportunity had came out of nowhere. And it's kind of like when Netflix had an opportunity to be purchased by Blockbuster and Blockbuster didn't see it. Well, look where Netflix is now and Blockbuster, right? Yep. So I had when I wrote the book, do I want to be Netflix or do I want to be Blockbuster? Wow. And did you, is it basically the book, did it come as you were making this transition yourself? Were you take, would you take everything that you sort of did and put it into the book as you were physically working on yourself and mentally and emotionally and whatever, your transformation is basically this book during 2014? So you ask a very important question. What a lot of people don't know, the book when it came out in 2014 was actually a book that I had written back in 2008 during the financial meltdown. Wow. 
and, and it was a different title. So the book has gone through three title changes and 25 rewrites over almost a two to three year period because I had to live through the shift. So the reason some of the words pop off the page from a, just an energetic standpoint, because I wrote it from a deep place. I was living, I was in the thick of it. So I wasn't phoning it in. It wow. was literally my life. I had to change the title because when I went to a publisher, they're like, Vuja Day moment. That's, <laughs> you know, that's like esoteric. What the heck is that, right? They the average person is not going to understand it. I said, what if we do this? They're like, no, shift your brilliance. And I said, okay, that's what I'm living. But I had to live through it in order to write about it. Yeah, that's incredible. It's uh, And you could tell, and, and I really hope a lot of the listeners and viewers of the YouTube channel will go out and, and get the book because I'm doing, like, obviously I have no choice. So it's so funny, I'm, I'm a musician at heart. I actually went to school out at Fredonia out where Buffalo. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I played a lot in Buffalo. I played at the Lafayette tap room. I don't know if that was there when you were there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I got a, I got a buddy that lives in Williamsville. Uh, yeah. yeah. So when I found out you lived in Buffalo, I was like, man, when I picked that school to go to college and I was waking up at eight o'clock in the morning to go to theory and walking through four feet of snow, I was like, what were you thinking? gone to Miami or somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is a great phrase. Broadband results on a dial-up network. (laughs) I love that. I heard that. I was like, gosh, I got to make signs of all of these things and just put them around my office. You constantly have to evaluate how often are we upgrading what we're doing. And here, why this, this is why this is important for everyone listening to us. From the time Apple releases the iPhone, okay, over uh, many years, right, the iPhone had 18 upgrades from 2007 to 2019, 18 upgrades. Every upgrade of the iPhone, the camera was better, more storage, on and on. But what's interesting If you look at that over 12 years, 12 times 12, 12 years, 12 months is 144. 144 divided by 18 upgrades simply means every eight months, Apple was upgrading what they were doing. Because if they didn't, everybody else out on the market would catch up. So when I made the statement, we sometimes want broadband results, but using dial-up methods, it's the challenge that if I'm not upgrading my mindset, my skill set, my will set, then there's somebody else that's catching up when I'm asleep. People should make that sign and just put it somewhere, especially during this time right now. You know what I mean? Just trying to get the word out to say this is this is like of we've been given. Um, what did I say? I said something about where you thought you had a deadline March 1st for an ex- some assignment a teacher gave you. And sure. the biggest sure. gift, and you totally hadn't done a thing. And the biggest gift that you got was the teacher gave you six months to get it done. And I feel like this period of time, I don't know if this will ever happen again in history. Like I went through 9-11 with an office in New York. Like I owned a company 
I was on 38th Street and Broadway. Everything shut down just like this. And now, obviously, we got hit a lot harder than the rest of the country because New York just stopped. The rest of the world paused for a moment and then started to pick back up. New York just stopped. So I've gone through that. And then, like you said, we've gone through the 2008 crisis. And then now this. And when each time these things happened, I was less stressed because I, I knew that I would just figure out a way and shift and change and pivot and move on. So I never, even though I, my company was just slamming up until when we were out in, in Colorado, every couple of days I'd get a phone call from another client because I book a lot of resort entertainment here and it would come in little dribs and drabs and say, Hey, I think we're going to have to cancel the music. Things are starting to get a little weird here. And I'm thinking, okay. And then it just hit. And then everyone called like within four days and said, we're, I need everything canceled until further notice. I was like, oh my God, now what? And, but I never stressed about it because I knew I was going to pivot and do something different. And I was able to finally start my podcast, which I had put down on a piece of paper, I think in 2015. So here we are 2020 and I finally have the opportunity to get it going. Right. That's so Hey, that's so good. Same thing with me. We had over six figures worth of business disappear in seven days. And some of it canceled, some of it moved to next year. Mm-hmm. Some of it, they just, we never heard back from them. They just canceled. <laughs> and then we also had to refund about, you know, five figures of, of money back to folks who just wanted their money back, you know? Yeah. And what I recognize, I can either stay bitter or I could get better. And I was already working on some new things. And I said, all right, let's hit the gas. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. Okay. Here's another phrase that I heard in the, in the audio book, make a U-turn. I don't remember the context of it, but I'm hoping you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sitting at the beach and uh, on the way to the beach with my family, because living here in Florida, we're really big beach people. And uh, you know how you see a sign that says you're so many miles away from the destination? Well, I thought, hey, I know a better way how I'm going to get there. Well, I went almost 30 to 40 minutes in the wrong direction. So I had to make a U-turn to come back because my my uh, my wife had said to me at the time, you know, you should have turned there. And I'm like, no, I got it. You know, typical guy, <laughs> right? Follow directions. Right, right, right. <laughs> So literally, I'm sitting, I'm sitting by the pool the next day, and I got a little drink with a pink umbrella, and it hits me. What happens when a person is heading in a direction, and they never make the U-turn? And see, when I say U-turn, it's not just the letter U, it's Y-O-U, mm-hmm. U-turn. Because when you turn that's when you notice all the opportunities and possibilities that were waiting for you to make the turn. But if you never make the turn, you miss it. And it's so funny because I think having GPS now has saved a lot of arguments in cars with the guys because we're always right. We'll go out of our way to just say, no, we didn't miss any turn. It's fail forward. Yeah. You know, in the dictionary, failure comes before success. And I'll never forget, I went to speak for the CEO Council of Tampa Bay. And during the debrief time, one of the executives said that he had, he gives out a failure award every quarter. And the failure award is to encourage 
his team members to fail. And I happened to go back and, and talk to him again. And I said, do you still give out the failure award? He says, no, we changed it. We changed it to fail faster. And, and what, what, what he was saying is so many people walk on eggshells at work. They don't want to break out and do anything that's out of the norm because they want to play it safe. And real breakthroughs comes when you walk on the edge, when you do something that you haven't done before. That's where the breakthrough is. So failure comes before success. If you go to the dictionary, fail faster because failure is not a bad word. It's only feedback. And the quicker you fail, then you can quickly see what won't work. Listen, I have failed more times than I can count on both hands, right? But I can tell you those failures have informed some of the successes that we've experienced as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's too bad the word has such a, a bad connotation to it because you're right. It's just it's just a flare. It's just, hey, this this wasn't right or something didn't work. But instead, it makes you feel as if you're less of whatever you're trying to do, whether it's less of a human, less of a father, less of a business person, less of whatever. And it's too bad it has that that feeling or that label attached to it. Yes. You know, and yes. like you just worded it, it's it's you need those things in order to know if you didn't have those signals, how would you know that something was wrong or that you need to change, right? Exactly. Okay, so you're going to have to help me on this one because it's chapter 7. And all I put was, it's about today. I (laughs) assume it's about the time we're living in, but I didn't put any more than that. Yeah. So what I was really getting at, it's about today, is so many times we are future focused that we forget to be present in the moment today. And if we focus on today, tomorrow is going to take care of itself. But who we are today goes into our future, waits for us to get there and says, welcome, we've been waiting for you. So what are you doing today? Is this the highest and best use of your time today? Are you in your space right now with what's happening and the pivots you're making and the changes you're making? Mm -hmm. How much different do you feel than you did when things were rocking and rolling in January of this year? Yeah, you know what? I have to be really, really uh, real with you. I struggled for about a good 30 to 45 days when this first hit. First of the year, I was rocking and rolling. I was in my groove. I was great. Life was wonderful. I've been home since obviously March 13th. And for a, a few of the weeks, I just was down in the dumps. I was ticked off. I was like, oh my goodness, what was me? What's this virtual thing? I was just a wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, wait a minute. Hello, buddy. You have to eat a little of your cooking. If not a little. <laughs> so Joe, I got up and I, I licked my wounds and stopped crying off the spilled milk and all of the contracts that it canceled and realized entrepreneurship is not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Amen. Gosh. (laughs) You don't don't earn your stripes in being an entrepreneur when you're on top of the mountain. It's in the valley when no one is coming to save you. Right. The phone is not ringing and you're looking at your bank account and say, I need to make payroll. I got (laughs) to... 
And and should we mention the IRS? Right. <laughs> it's real, brother. Yep. It is real. And that's when I just said, okay, we got a choice to make. First quarter, got it. Second, third quarter is going to look a little bit different. So I told our team, we're not going to dial for dollars to try to get business. We're just going to love on people and help them understand uh, that serving is the new selling. So who could we serve? So we just reached out to clients and said, hey, we'll do a free virtual, whatever you need, bring your team. And I just started doing a ton of those and it was so rewarding. And then almost counterintuitive, we started getting calls for business, right? And yep. it's just like, we weren't even setting out to do that, but it, it just happened. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was curious because like I said, you never know what's going on behind the curtain with anybody, right? And you and I don't know each other that well, but you, there's something that just comes through the screen, comes through on the videos, definitely when I'm there in person with you. And to me, I would have been that person that had gotten down and I flowed right through, like people were just like, how are people are calling me? How are, because I, I, I think we sent out probably over a hundred 1099s for 2019 because we have so many entertainers on our roster and it's literally everything across the board and they're all reaching out. How are you holding up? Cause they knew everything dried up. And I was like, man, and I, and I know people think I'm nuts, but this was such a blessing for me because I just needed this time to do other things. And, and, and I have, I, I've not stopped. With someone as positive as you, I wanted to just kind of get a feel for how does Simon T. Bailey handle a situation like this? To me, he'd be like, ah, we got this. And so I was just wondering if, and, and, I'm, and I appreciate you explaining that you aren't the superhero that I think you are, that you did have your moment, which is very human. But like you said, you, you licked your wounds, you stood back up and said, okay, now it's time to get busy and stop crying, right? Or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? When I came out of this fog, I realized I needed to start cooking. Uh, so I started cooking. I've learned how to cook a little bit enough to survive. Um, I stopped binge watching on, on everything that was on. I turned the TV off. I started reading. I started writing. I started thinking. And I started doing Zoom calls almost like as a mastermind with different people um, from different areas of business, just getting input, insight. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, wow. Okay, here's what we need to do. And once I got into the groove, because I love all things business and I love what I do, I just start seeing all the opportunity, you know? And I said, okay, we're going we're to come through this. But probably the most important, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't say this, COVID-19 and, and my, my, my prayers and heart goes out to all of those who've been directly impacted in either losing a loved one or, you know, I've been impacted by it. But for me, it has been a time for me to get closer to my children. I've got a 21-year-old sophomore in college, Daniel, a daughter who graduated. Uh, she's the COVID-19, you know, graduate, you know, uh, graduated from high school, head to college, interesting time of life, two kids in college, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm writing checks, right? <laughs> And she's not going to cheap school. She's going to a school at $70,000 a year. So I'm like, oh, oh my. man. But, you know, but here's what I did. 
During this COVID-19 time, I hired both of them as my research assistants. So every Sunday night, they have to read a book that I have purchased for them, different books, business books. They have to listen to a podcast, listen to a YouTube video, watch uh, or, or uh, view an article, and then they have to write a summary and answer seven to nine questions. They have to turn it in by Thursday at 5 p.m. I pay them $20 a day. They can take Friday off. And we're already seven weeks into this. And it's all the things that, you know, dad said you should. No, now I'm paying them to learn because it's actually research for another book that I'm working on. But it's brought me closer to my children. Yeah. This entire COVID-19 time. So I'm, I'm just eating it up. That's awesome. Are they going to school there uh, where you can see them? Uh, so they're yeah, going. My, you're, you're in Florida, right? You're, yeah, I'm in Florida. So, so my son is online and my daughter, believe it or not, she is actually going to go to campus. Uh, the private school, private college that she's going to, uh, their class ratio is maybe one professor to 20 students. So they're just going to practice physical distancing and she'll start in the fall. Uh, but but I'm, I'm excited for them. But we've gotten closer. Yeah, great. And uh, so it's been good. Yeah. Are your yeah. beaches open or closed? The beaches are open. Okay. Uh, the beaches are open. You know, here in Florida, we uh, we kind of march to the beat of a different drummer. <laughs> and we love our beaches. <laughs> I don't blame you. I I, li- I grew up on the East Coast, so I, I'm from New York originally. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame you. Brilliant versus average. So, average living is dead. As we would say here in the South, that dog won't hunt. So, the days of doing average work with an average attitude is gone. Um, Average people show up to collect a check. Brilliant people show up to add value. What I've discovered after interviewing top performers, uh, those who got promoted, who were promoted over time, they discovered that a paycheck is given to people who show up, but opportunities are given to people who work and think beyond what they're paid to do. That's the difference between average versus brilliant. So you can help me with this because I, I, str- and I was there, like, I'm not, I don't ever say these things as if I had all the answers. I'm 58. I'm, I'm a late bloomer. Like I'm, you know, I'm working. Oh, You're okay. I'm working on this stuff as if I, I, I'm reinventing myself. And I feel like so many people get stuck in thinking they can't do things. And I don't know where that comes from. I I know it's fear is part of it, but there's gotta be a way to say, listen, all the people that you you look up to or you see or you aspire to become, or they they all had to figure it out the same way. We all put our pants on one leg at a time type thing, right? So how is it to, to, how do you try to get people to shift their, their frame of mind to say, listen, you can do this just as much as anyone else. It just takes hard work. But other than that, some of these people are, are like lifelong learners, but they literally don't do anything, right? They take course after course, conference after conference, seminar after seminar, whatever, and they just don't do anything with it. Yeah, you know, it's, it really comes down to um, something so simple. And, and not to be oversimplified, but there's a Yiddish proverb that says the only person that likes change is a wet baby. And, and <laughs> what I've discovered, the reason sometimes people don't go for it 
is because they don't want to change. So think about it. When you first learn to ride a bike, you probably started, you fell, right? You uh, perhaps started a business. You started, had some success, but maybe experienced a little failure. It was a change that you had to make. Just look at this whole virtual, like everybody now understands Zoom. But when they first heard Zoom, they're like, no, no way. <laughs> the more you begin to change, all of a sudden you're telling other people, did you know that you can go in the chat and you can do this, you can do that? So until people are willing to take just one little step, I don't have any entrepreneurs in my family. I'm the first one in my family to leave a nine to five and venture out into these uncharted waters. Why do I, why did I do it? Well, first of all, it was a dream, but a dream until you put feet to an, an act, it's just something in the sky. You got to move every single day. And until people are really ready to change, they don't want it bad enough. You got to be hungry and go after it. Yeah, I guess that's just it, right? It's not It's not even the fear because if you want it bad enough, you'll push the fear aside. Anything you want, your first car, your first home, your first job, you become laser focused and you go after it. Well, this brings me to the last thing I had on my note, which was, and this is perfect, sh shift or be shifted. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you look at that word shift, shift, if we were to break that down, simply means see how I fit tomorrow. See how I fit tomorrow. Shift. That's the acronym. So if if I don't shift, see how I fit tomorrow, I will be shifted by everything and everyone. So let's look at a prime example. How many malls are going to survive after this COVID-19? Malls are going to forever be changed. But guess what? If they don't adapt and come up with a new model, the Amazon of the world is literally going to shift them and replace them. It is, it's that simple. So everyone listening to us right now, they have to say, don't wait for the tap on the shoulder or the phone call with your boss. You shift before you're shifted. So how do I begin to look at my workplace through a fresh lens? If I'm an entrepreneur, who are the top 20% uh, in my field? What are they pivoting to? What are they doing? How do I begin to ask a different set of questions that allows me to shift before I'm shifted? Yeah, and that's right. This is what we're talking about now. The Calvary's not coming, right? You have to shift. You have to do it on your own or you're gonna be shifted for sure. And, and it might be wherever. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else about the book you want to talk about before? I don't want to keep you. Uh, we've, we're just about at an hour and I know you're a busy man. So you know, the, the one thing, there are exercises in the book that I encourage each person to go through. And also we have an online course called Shift Your Brilliance System that people can walk through it, take their teams through it. And we've gotten rave, uh, rave reviews from people who've gone through the course. And it's at simontbailey.com. Awesome. So I'll put all of this stuff in the show notes for everybody. So they'll have all the links. What is the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, they just go to simontbailey.com to you for terrific. Exactly. As <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 
my my middle initial is P, so I can't say P for perfect because that is not going to fly. <laughs> P for powerful. There you go. Okay, cool. I like that. Okay. Like I said, I'll put all of that in there. I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I, you know, I respect you so much. I love watching all your videos, Instagram stuff that pops up. It's super inspiring to me. Um, someday, if I can get my speaking act together, maybe I'll ask you for advice someday on how I get my first one and how I can get to the point. And maybe we'll share a stage someday before I take a dirt nap. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on here again. I, I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate your time. And uh, it was an honor to speak with you. Thank you, Joe. Okay, man. You take care of yourself. All righty. Take care. Yeah.